welcome back to the Cyber Sector 7 Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Reese, and this episode is a little special. I brought a good friend on, Ringmaster. Uh, he's going to come on and just tell us about him and just engaging in the community a little bit. I know this episode is a little late. I had recording problems, so um, at the beginning of the episode, we did not flip a bottle like we usually do because in the original recording, we did, and it was corrupted. I couldn't fix it so it took me another week to get this out and re-record it and get it just right and edit it so uh it's a week late and really sorry about that guys but um it's out now and i hope you guys enjoy back to the Cyber Sector 7 Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Reese, and on this episode, we have a very special guest coming along. Uh, Ringmaster, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. Hello. It is such a pleasure to be here, my friend. I really appreciate it. And thank you for coming on. We're glad to have you. This episode is all about the community and engaging with people and networking like we talked about last week. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're just going to be networking and reaching out and bringing people on the show now sometimes. And uh, as our first guest, I brought my good friend Ringmaster on to just kind of talk about how he got into cybersecurity, hacking, and OSINT. And then kind of give some stories and talk about some projects he's been working on. So uh, Ringmaster, what would you like to uh, tell us about yourself? Well, uh, I guess we could start at the beginning. Um, The way I really got interested into hacking and cybersecurity was uh, a few years ago I was working a job it was a pretty good job but um I was just incredibly bored with life and just everything going on my my work didn't really seem that interesting I was doing it for a long time and one day I discovered Tor and then that's really when the rabbit hole for me began because I was just absolutely blown away about the fact that there a deep web that's only accessible through a certain set of means by downloading Tor browser and then configuring it and then accessing these onion links. I just couldn't believe it. So I didn't want to access the Tor browser without first ensuring that I couldn't be hacked by any hackers or that I would leak any, you know, personal identifiable information, any PII. So I tried to delete myself off the internet as much as I could or at least to the best of my ability, which kind of brought me down a different rabbit hole. And then, man, after a few years of just so much self-study and networking and computers and hardwares with absolutely no background, I, was, I wasn't really that interested in tech before any of this. And then I was just in love, man, from that point on. And then I studied as much as I could, and it's just so many different topics and subjects for about two years went back to school. I got a bachelor's in cybersecurity and ethical hacking, and then I just finished a master's in cybersecurity management. And it's just been awesome, man. I, I really love it. How was the schooling when it came to cybersecurity? I've always wanted to know because mm. I never went to school mm. and I've, I've heard it, it can be a, a pretty big, big eye opener. Yeah, honestly, it sucked. And <laughs> And I, I, I don't know why, uh, don't take my word for it, but maybe because I was just really interested in the subject 
that I just kind of excelled really well in all of my classes and didn't really have an issue with them. All the topic matter for me was incredibly easy, but I was just totally in love with the space. But I, I really felt like school doesn't teach you hands-on hacking. That's number one. You're not going to learn how to hack anything in any college or university. Uh, we only touched Linux a little bit, um, and I was kind of really shocked by that, which is why I went into the Masters, and halfway through my Masters, I, the realization kind of dawned on me that this was as good as it gets, that uh, if I want to learn more hands-on, I'm going to have to really go to where it's at which kind of started leading me to hacker forums, hacker chats, and then just kind of generally just hanging out with hackers all the time until where I'm at today. But um, yeah, that was kind of surprising, man, because most of it's like uh, very theoretical and like practices and ideas, but there's no hands-on implementation of anything. And that was very like nerve-wracking and frustrating. But it is what it is. <clears throat> what would you say... I guess would be that realization for you because everybody has that realization story that holy holy shit I'm a hacker now like I actually just did something what would you say that moment for you was hmm, that moment for me was probably uh, I, I'd have to say that holy shit I pulled it off would definitely be with hardware hacking I just love hardware and kind of taking things apart, breaking them down, and building them back in different ways. And most of that kind of manifests through just having an idea and kind of a general sense of how I want to go about it. I'll find all the parts, break them down, reassemble it, and then get it running. And it's just wild how it turns out. Like, most of the projects come out wonderfully. And, like, keep in mind, like, I don't have any electrical engineering experience or anything like that, but, um, shouldn't stop anyone like if you really like something and you really love something you should just totally go for it it's yeah. kind of like being soldering i'm like a soldering machine at this point and when i first started soldering i had no idea what i was doing man i just bought a soldering iron and like a little soldering kit and just went for it and the first one boom was like pretty good it was actually really good and then it was just hooked from there and like now i find soldering to be almost like very therapeutic and kind of relaxing it's really nice yeah i i noticed on your instagram you um you posted all those i can't remember what you called them i know you sent me one in the mail the flamingo shaped boards oh yeah the fla bingos man i i you know i i wanted to make a badge and i was like what better way to represent florida than by a flamingo so i made the flamingo badge the simple circuit you know a little battery little cr2032 battery tiny little resistor and a on off switch with a single led as the eyeball well, all in the 805 package what exactly uh do you use them for is there any specific uses or is it just a kind of a maker board badge life it's just all about badge life i fell in love with badges going to defcon 29 and was really taken aback at how like just incredible the badge was that they had and it's not just a badge to enter the convention it's really a networking tool to kind of break the ice and walk up to other people at the convention and engage in conversation as well as a game that unfolds through the firmware as you progress through the puzzle so i mean that's like the coolest thing i've ever seen especially for people who like hardware and gadgets it's like i was just fascinated by badges so just like that i didn't know how to make a badge just came up with the idea 
It's like, you know what, let's do a flamingo. And I was like, hey, look at that. It's even better because FLA means Florida. So, like, we'll do FLA underscore Mingo and then Flamingo. Had the idea and then just downloaded the software and went for it, man. That's that's awesome. You mentioned uh, Badge Life and going to a DEF CON. Um, did you go to DEF CON last year? I did. I went to DEF CON 29. That was my first DEF CON. Uh, I had first heard about DEF CON, I think, around DEF CON 26. And was kind of really fascinated by the whole concept just couldn't really believe that there was a convention for hackers like that especially with like how long it lasting it's been going for so i was like you know what if i don't go this year i'm just never gonna go just kind of one of those things you keep putting off and i went to defcon 29 absolutely loved it it was great time great people i learned i think i learned more in that one weekend than i had past several years at university within my classes I've, I've never been to DEF CON. I've been planning to go soon. I'm not going to go this year, but I'll probably make it next year. And um, did you get my, my biggest thing? Like, I wanted to go to, like, meet some of the people I keep seeing on, like, YouTube and all these writers and creators that keep popping up in forums. Did you get to meet any of your heroes? Uh, I was kind of so enthralled with the whole, whole convention. I, like, didn't know what I was doing with myself or didn't know what to expect. Uh, I certainly saw those people all over the convention. Like, they're everywhere. Almost everyone who goes there is, is pretty pretty into, into the space. And, yeah, man, it's, it's pretty wild, actually, seeing people like you've seen on, like, different YouTube channels about hacking and cybersecurity, like, live in the flesh at these places. It's, it's pretty cool. I don't think I know of any other community where there's something like that kind of going on. I know you can't do that, like, with music. Like, you wouldn't be able to meet your favorite musician, like, at a convention like that. Yeah, that that's one thing I love about the... Just the hacker community in general. Is, like, you don't get to usually meet your heroes in a lot of niches. But I know in this community, like, people I look up to, I can just reach out via DM, or if I ever have a question. And 99 times out of 100, hopefully I don't have that many questions... But uh, they, they'll come back to me, and they'll reach back out to me, and we can just strike up a conversation. Yeah, totally. And that kind of goes back onto one of your previous episodes about networking. Like, you, you really do have to just put yourself out there and just go for it and just talk to everyone, try to meet as many people as you can, and you, you'll really be surprised at how responsive the hacking community really is. If you ask the right questions, of course. Yeah, it, it is important to ask the right questions, because it gets kind of wild sometimes. Just all sorts of people, because when people learn about, you know, hacking and things like that, they immediately think the worst, and you get a lot of people that reach out trying to ask just dumb questions. Yeah, totally, totally. The way I kind of see hacking now is kind of like someone saying, uh, I'm into business. Well, okay, what type of business are you into? Because hacking is really like so diverse. I mean, it's such a wide and vast like field. It's really hard to like fully understand everything. Yeah, un under understanding everything that you. I don't think anybody ever will be able to understand everything. You know, there's yeah, so there's, there's just way too much. Yeah, there is just so many sub-niches involved in cybersecurity that 
you can't just study it all because if you see everything you can't focus on anything yeah definitely i mean it's there's just it's such a wide pool of knowledge it's really hard for someone to capture it's kind of like uh i think you and i were talking about that the other day someone saying i'm a master at my craft and we were talking about osin and there's a lot of people who would say that if you think you're a master at your craft then perhaps you're really not because there's so much information just to learn what would be uh what would be some of the crafts or some of the niches you'd say you're pretty heavy into uh definitely hardware uh i like making things a lot uh and which has brought me to this new community of makers it's awesome it's just seeing everyone's ideas just come to life with their creations and how they come out everyone's very open about how they made it and uh is more than willing to help the maker community has been uh really awesome and uh i also like really building cyber decks I like building a lot of cyber decks. I find that to be a lot of fun. Mostly with Raspberry Pis, ESP32s, and Arduino boards. Now, now I know you mentioned cyber decks. Now, I believe I know what that is. I've looked into it a little bit, but the listener may not. Would you like to explain that to us? Yeah, I would say that a cyber deck is any type of computer that's running on a microcontroller, which you built yourself. So you could find a Raspberry Pi and let's say you find a Pelican case, a Pelican hard shell case, and you decide to put that Raspberry Pi with a keyboard and a monitor into this case to make it kind of like a, a little hard shell device, portable device for you. Boom! You just made a cyber deck. And it's a lot of fun. And with that, there's so many different ideas. And the past few months, I've seen so many people come up with kind of crazy new ways of coming up with this that it's it, it's really out of this world. I've seen some really cool cyber decks. I know there's a couple threads and forums in different places for just cyber decks exclusive. But um yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I I've, I've looked into building one myself and I'm just so torn on like if I build it, I won't want to take it apart. And I know I'm going to need those parts <laughs> for something. Yup, yup. It's kind of the fun of it, but I'm totally the same way. Uh, I haven't taken any of mine apart. They're just kind of all in their place, perfect for whenever I need them. I can fire them up. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a fun little little project. Um, do you have any built yourself that you have built in the past? Yes, I, I built an all-orange cyber deck, like that neon, like a high-vis orange. I made one uh, out of a, a hard shell case. It's not a Pelican case. I'm forgetting the name right now. But um, I got that one. That one's fun. I've done a, a lot of small ones, like a, kind of like 3.5 inch like TFT LCD screens where they're just little devices on the go, a little portable keyboard. But um, just kind of coming up with new ways to, to make them. I see a lot of people making like retro versions of them kind of like using older computer parts or putting them in kind of like vintage shells which is pretty cool there's a there's that's another amazing community with cyberdeck people yeah this I, the cyberdeck people are an amazing community and i know you were mentioning those retro ones there was one i, I saw it on youtube somewhere scrolling down a rabbit hole of cyberdecks and uh if I'm not mistaken, he put one in an old Commodore 64 shell. Oh, that's awesome. 
that's awesome and that's another amazing community there too is the whole retro tech guys and they just get all this old tech and turn it into just crazy things yeah speaking about retro computers i i took apart a few older pcs from the early 90s which gutted them out everything's still working got them out of their original shell just to a total waste of material with how heavy it was and uh i'm thinking about putting those into something cool i gotta figure out where to put it in that was that was those old 90s computers are always so fun to play with i always liked getting my hands at one on one from like a thrift store for like 20 bucks and just taking yeah. it home and seeing what it's got on it and what i can play with Totally, totally. They're also good sometimes too if you're playing some of the older games that don't want to run on the newer operating systems. It's always good to have like an older computer as a backup somewhere if you want to fire up a nostalgic game that you're missing. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to have to do that soon if I really want to get that classic RuneScape feel. Mm, maybe yeah. not as old as the 90s, maybe like the mid-2000s, but to get that like classic RuneScape feel... It has to be on something old, bulky, and hot. Like, overheated. <laughs> yes, definitely. So, um, I, I, I know the listener may not know this, but I know you're pretty big into anonymity versus privacy. How would you, uh, what would you I say am. you've learned from that? I am. I've learned quite a bit from that. And at the same time, I feel like I know nothing about it, which is almost phenomenal because it's really been my main focus maybe these past six seven years but um that all kind of really generated from when i was initially playing around with tor because i wanted to access the tor browser anonymously and make sure that all of my information was private especially if i were to get hacked i didn't want someone to immediately know who i was by going through my files so that kind of brought me down two different paths of research and i found out that they're similar but both very different and um, there's lots of different ways you can kind of add layers or implement different like level obfuscation to make sure that uh, you know you're as anonymous or as as much as you think you can be anonymous but what I've really learned is that there's there's just so many elements to either the operating system or the network or the VPN or the browser itself or your your internet service provider that just there's no guarantee and it's uh it's pretty tough it's pretty tough but nonetheless it's it's a really fun subject to study yeah anonymity and privacy is it's always intrigued me how you can be so anonymous but at the same time you can still be found out from something as as dumb as like saying i went to denny's this weekend mm -hmm. yes and I was going to say that it, I think it really, a lot of it comes down to human error. And um, I think a lot of people will agree with that, that it, it really comes down to someone making a mistake and I guess you could say blowing their cover, their anonymous cover online. For anyone, I guess, that would be trying to get into that whole anonymous scene, like maybe not someone that's trying to learn to, to hack or anything like that but just trying to stay more anonymous and private online what would some things that you'd say you've learned and picked up over the years that may help them out and get started 
definitely be very conscious of the information that you put online. Uh, it doesn't matter where it is. And this is mostly from almost an archival standpoint that um, you don't want that data being archived and then stored and just in places. So when I first started out, I went on a mission to delete my digital footprint or to minimize it as best as I could. And man, that was about four or five year process of going through old social media websites, uh, forums, different posts, comments, old accounts, subscriptions. I mean, unsubscribing from everything, deleting data off of websites, then closing down the account. And it, it was brutal. It was brutal. And I'm not sure how well I did. I think I, I'd like to say I did pretty well, but um, I'm sure it's still not enough. Yeah, that's that's the battle right there, though, is it's always not enough. We always know that secret hole that the average person doesn't know. And that's, I think, what scares us the most when it comes to trying to stay private and anonymous online. Yeah, definitely. Well, I haven't been on social media for about the past 10 years or so. And uh, I just kind of resurfaced back online solely from DEFCON 29. Because I was amazed that when I went to DEFCON, everyone was kind of exchanging their hacker hand. I mean, it was a way to stay in touch with people and all these hackers were on social media. I mean, that right there totally broke my, my perspective of like what I thought everyone was doing and whatnot. And it's kind of like, wow, this is crazy. Every, everyone's on social media. Like, I, I didn't expect that. So I made an account really just to kind of keep in touch with everyone and uh, just kind of keep it hacker focused and cybersecurity focused. But uh, yeah, I deleted all my social media, totally dropped offline for a long time. And I tell you, man, you, you really start thinking differently and processing thoughts differently. It's kind of like your brain reboots and like comes back alive. Yeah, getting off social media at first for me was it was a bit different. Like, I didn't share a lot of personal information, but what I missed the most about it was the contact with, like, your close friends who you're always sending memes to. Then that cuts off, and it weirdly, like, it takes a minute to get used to, because social media really does brainwash you. Yeah, it really does. Uh, I kind of got lucky because I had this innate paranoia that I should delete my digital footprint to the best of my ability right before the Cambridge Analytica scandal with facebook so uh are you allowed to say that facebook yeah you're allowed to say that they're a very well-known company yeah but uh that was crazy man that was revolutionary because it kind of confirmed all of my suspicions uh the previous years leading up to that event and it, it was kind of like a huge realization that like wow everything i've been doing was kind of right and like it was just kind of hard to explain to people and like kind of ran into a lot of issues not having social media and like different areas of life and very very strange man we're we're too dependent on it we definitely are way too dependent on it i mean if you just take a walk like take a walk to your local park you'll see people outside on benches scrolling tiktok and it's like you're outside bro yep yep the craziest thing that I saw was I I used to work catering years ago at a university, right? And we used to do fine dining for all the fraternities and sororities. Well, one night 
there was a huge event with, uh, I guess, all the sororities in town. And there was about 500 ladies in a room. And as we came out to bring out the food, I, I cannot tell you enough how blown away I was that every single person at these round tables were looking down at their phone. Not one of these girls were talking to each other, and it, it kind of like blew my mind. And I remember asking someone about it, like, hey, do you see that? Like, look at that, man, that's crazy. Like, all of their faces are down, and like, you could see the glow from their cell phones. Imagine being in a room of 500 people, and it's almost silent, and no one's talking to each other, and it, surrounded by people, and they're just all on their phones. That was that was kind of shocking. That kind of reminds me of those luminous spaces, but it's like got people. They're just zombies, pretty much. It's like they're stones. Yep, yep. That's kind of what it felt like. But uh, that was kind of like a early foresight to what it is today. Now everyone's hooked. So, what exactly is the Cambridge Analytica event? What what exactly happened with that? Well, uh, to the best of my knowledge, they were involved with sharing personal information and aggregating data and selling it to a third party, I guess you could say. And they were using that information and kind of just influencing different ads into different posts, kind of uh, almost like human experimentation to see how they could uh, test and trigger different responses out of people, see what would make them happy or what they make them sad. And um, it was really just a, a gross violation of people's personal data that it was kind of being given away. And uh, yeah, when, when all that came to light, it was really shocking. And they got into a lot of trouble for it. And who knows, that might have a little bit of part of why they changed their name to Meta. Yeah, you know, it, it was kind of odd when they did change their name to Meta. I don't, I don't remember what exactly the whole reasoning was that but I knew they were getting sued for something it was just an interesting yeah. time definitely interesting I, I, I don't think really it was a big eye opener for a lot of people it was it was and if anyone's interested in knowing more about that there's a really good documentary called Great Hack which kind of dives into all of that yeah, I know you're pretty big into those hacker movies and just hacker culture in general and pop culture. What would uh, what would you say your favorite hacker movie would be? Oh, my fi mine. I I have to default to The Matrix because it was the movie of our generation, and kind of that's what I grew up on. That's like what really fueled my my lust for hacking and whatnot. But um. Yeah, yeah, I, I love all of it, man. It's it's just so interesting, and like, if you really like this space, I'm sure you'll find all of these documentaries and movies just as interesting. Also, there's some really good ones. A lot of the early '90s documentaries are phenomenal. Yeah, the documentaries are always good. There was this one about these two Australian hackers that were the first people in Australia to be convicted of a computer crime. And they were, they had something to do with NASA. It's on YouTube, like the whole thing's on YouTube. But they had something to do with that major NASA incident that back in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken, or early 90s at most. They apparently crashed a ship in like Florida. Like it was, it was wild. Oh, wow. Wow, that's crazy. So, uh, 
for anyone interested, I know you've been in the field for a while now. Um, what exactly do you do field-wise? Uh, right now I'm working as a security analyst in a SOC. And uh, for OPSEC, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> that. That definitely sounds fun, working with OPSEC. Working with security and having to keep the OPSEC up is always a good sign because then it's just like that feeling that you do something secret. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. And uh, it, it's been a really awesome learning experience for sure. Oh, yeah. It, it, anytime you get it, I've heard people that they'll like swap careers or something like that. In cybersecurity, they'll go into a different niche. It's always a huge eye-opening experience. I've always heard that. It has been, yeah. It's um, it's pretty amazing. It's nice, I know. especially especially if you've been looking for that hands-on experience, which has been hard to find in your studies or perhaps through your educational path. That uh, once you get working in the field anywhere, it's it's just a dream come true. I know you had an interesting story landing that job, given with vague details. Uh, is there any way you could tell us about how you got that job and tell us a story and uh, maybe how it could help someone else in the same way if they were looking to get into the space? Yeah, uh, I, let's see. The best way I could explain it is really networking. And it's really unreal how it happened. Uh, I was just kind of talking to all sorts of different hackers online, uh, occasionally staying in touch with everyone. I would always check in, see how everyone's doing. And then uh, one day I was talking to a hacker out here in my area and uh, he said, hey, did you see this guy just posted a job listing? And uh, I said, no, I didn't look at that. I'm looking for a job right now. I just got out of school. I really need a job. And he said, well, go over here and message this guy right away. And so I went to the place he directed me, and then once I saw the job listing, it turned out that uh, I had just started talking to that guy a couple hours before, and I was kind of blown away by that. So, I, you know, contacted him about the job, went through, sent the resume, went through the hiring process, and I got in, man. And uh, I'm pretty, pretty grateful for that. Yeah, Which did. is remarkable. Oops, sorry, which is remarkable because it it really all generated from the hacker community itself, which is wild to think about because, you know, if I didn't just put myself out there and just kind of go for the leap of faith and just start, you know, for lack of a better word, just making friends with all these hackers, it probably would have never happened. And I'd, I'd probably still be searching right now because it's, it's, it was really tough finding anything. I'm sending out all sorts of resumes and whatnot, and uh, it really does come down to who you know. Yeah, it's just, it's networking. Everybody talks about networking when it comes to sales and business and this, that, and the other, but it can really be applied in tons of areas. And I think, I'm, I'm very proud of the hacker community and how they've always just stayed out there and open to network with people. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the best communities I've found in a long time, uh, especially coming from me. I've been a part of a lot of different communities online and IRL. And man, the, the hacking community is just one of the, the greatest people I've met. It doesn't matter what your 
what your ideology, race, uh, sex, uh, political status is. It doesn't matter. If you're interested in cybersecurity and infosec, you're, you, have a, you have a spot at the table with everyone else. And, you know, everyone's going to listen to you, what you have to say. I've never experienced anything like that. Yeah, it, I, I really learned just how open the community was with, from that documentary about Aaron Schwartz. And, uh, yeah, like he was, how old was he when he went to that first meeting? And then, like, before that, he had said, I would come out, but, uh, I don't think my mom would let me. And they were like, this kid is young. Yeah, yeah, he, he was a force to be reckoned with, man. He, he was really a genius. I'm not sure how old he was, but he, you know, he, he worked on a lot of, like, kind of groundbreaking projects for, for his time and what was going on. Especially with copyright infringement, that was like one of his big motivators. Yeah, he, free information, the distribution of free information as well. Yes, he influenced a generation. He sparked a lot, especially with anonymous. You, I, to from my recollection, you can, you can go back and watch the events unfold, and then afterwards, anonymous just breaks loose. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty remarkable. It's very Pretty remarkable story. Very inspiring. Very inspiring. And the hacker hacker community is just it's always there for people. It's always there. And it it really goes down to just like you said, reaching out. Um do you have any stories you'd like to tell about times maybe you've reached out and what may help somebody uh network? Because I kind of beat him to death over the head here already talking about networking so much. Uh, what would be some wisdom you'd like to depart about it? Uh, let's see. Some, some good advice would be, uh, hmm, you know, really just, just go for it. You know, if there's someone who you admire or someone who you're following in the space, just send them a message. You might be surprised and they might respond to you like, right away. Uh, you know, every, everyone's real people, everyone has real lives, and a, a lot of these people are very down to earth, much more so than what you would imagine. Especially if you're in the space and you're really interested, I think that kind of goes a long way because people can easily determine that. So a uh, conversation will just happen naturally. And really, just don't think about it. Just, just go for it. Yeah, it, you just have to put yourself out there. You really do. You have to make it known, though, that you're serious about it. You're not just trying to get you to pull off some dumb job that you thought up when you were sitting in your mom's basement you have to really put yourself out there and show your work kind of goes back to what they always taught us in school show your work well it it applies in the real life sometimes definitely definitely well i believe we're beginning to wrap the show up uh ringmaster before we do is there anything you'd like to promote any projects you've been working on uh i've been working on some new badges um working on some new cyber decks and we'll, we'll see what's to come yeah would you like to uh, plug any of your social media while you're on yeah come come over to instagram and give me a follow at ringmaster that's with a four instead of an e and i'll definitely put his uh his social in the description of this podcast for you guys uh, thank you guys for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode uh ringmaster would you like to say anything to the listener uh, I am most humbled. Thank you, sir. And thank you. Thank you for coming on. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Well, guys, that wraps it up for this week. 
I'm glad you listened to the episode. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and hopefully you can look forward to some more episodes just like this in the future. Thanks for listening, and I will see you in two weeks. Thank you.